Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I have lived in... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. My home in rural Michigan for roughly four years now, and I've had a mostly normal experience until recently. I am an avid hunter, and as such every deer season, I'm on my property and normally go out for days to get a good buck. Well, last year I had a small incident where I broke my right arm during my final year of high school. I ended up missing the season because of it, but my dad went for our family because that's how we got fed around the wintertime. After just two days, he was back and was freaking out about what he saw the night prior. 
He told me that one of his deer had been ripped from his truck and his window was shattered in the process. We ended up going back with rifles to see if it was some gang of homeless people. Revious experiences, and we ended up finding nothing. I thought nothing of it again until recently. I was excited to get out there and left at midnight the day hunting season started. I like to have camp set up for at most a week's worth of supplies and normally indulge in expensive food that I make in my small wooden shack in the woods. However, this year I got some beef jerky and two pounds of tuna. It was about to go bad and ended up taking ten pounds of frozen stew with me, which I would use the meat from the deer to make. I got to my spot at around three in the morning. However, I just felt. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I'd call it paranoid. I kept thinking I saw movement in the ground, which was just my tarp moving in the wind. I figured I needed some sleep before going out, so I ended up sleeping until 6 a.m. or so. When I awoke, I heard the sound of rustling in my bags. I looked at the entrance to my hut to see what looked like a very small deer going through my bear bag, which I forgot to hang. I yelled and swatted it away, and off it went. I remember this awful stench and seeing the thing run in in an almost limping way, but there was no way this thing was hurt. It was like looking at a speeding car going 200 miles per hour. It was gone instantly. After taking in what just happened, I looked in my bag to see that it didn't get much. Just chewed the bag a lot. I made some coffee and warmed some soup before putting it in my thermos and getting on my way. I got to my spot around 30 minutes after that and sat there for roughly an hour and a half before seeing the most beautiful buck ever. I let it get closer to me and took the shot, which went right through the heart. I was more than happy with that and collected my prize. I went back to camp to put it in a few trash bags and in my oversized coolers, which I had attached to the back of my little hut. After securing the deer, I decided it was lunchtime and made more soup while still smelling the stench from last night, but slightly fainter. I fell asleep in my bed while listening to a podcast and woke up at around 5 p.m. I decided to turn in for the night when I realized that my door was open. I had a space heater right next to me, so I didn't notice the cold during my nap. As I got up to close the door, I noticed a deer right outside my hut. I froze as it stared at me. It looked sick, fur that was messed up, eyes that seemed slightly too small for their sockets, and horns that seemed to be very disfigured. I shouted, and it slowly backed away, which terrified me. The woods were silent as this creature was before me. It did not seem scared, but curious. I slammed the door shut and clenched my rifle as I sat facing the door in my sleeping bag. I did not leave for the rest of the night until I was awoken at what I believe was 5 a.m. by the sound of metal being ripped apart. I ran out of my house with my gun drawn and headlamp on the highest setting. Big mistake. As I got to the back of my shack, I saw what I can only describe as a bear that was skinny, had horns, and was on its hind legs. I locked eyes with it and saw that this time they were far too big for the sockets. It was completely still, just staring into my soul. I shot it. I'm not proud that was my first reaction, but I think that was the right choice as it pounced at me and slammed me to the ground. In my tumble downwards, I shot again and hit the beast. 
It let out this blood-curdling scream that sounded like he had shot a gorilla in a Karen from 7-Eleven. I ran as fast as I could out of there, all the while hearing more and more screaming behind me. I did not stop until I saw the fence surrounding my backyard. I was covered in cuts. My gun was now clenched so tightly that my knuckles looked like a ghost's forehead. I looked back as the screams had ceased, only to see the deer from earlier, but only a few yards behind me. I unloaded into the animal, which dropped and let out another scream. I managed to get inside and woke my entire family to tell them the situation. The cops were called and searched the property. I showed them the deer, and it was still there, but it seemed hollow. Its insides were very small, and it looked like it had deflated. It was a husk of a deer in my eyes, skin ripped from its flesh and used as a suit by some creature. Two days later, I look up from my newspaper and see a massive buck with a hole near its heart with small orange eyes. I have not left my house since, and every time I look out in the night, I see more. I'm scared to be in my own home. My family are all in the basement right now, and I'm boarding windows. Our car tires are slashed, and the motorcycle has gone missing. A few hours before writing this post, I found the door to the garage open. As I stepped out, guns drawn. The door was torn from its hinges. Let me start this by saying I've never truly believed in ghosts. I never wanted to, nor drew any interest into believing in the paranormal, until me and my wife moved into our new home at the start of the year. We live in a nice area. The house isn't too old, and we are in Michigan. When we first moved in, there was absolutely no reason for us to believe it was haunted. About two months went by and we started to experience things that could be written off as natural, such as lights turning on, electronics turning on, or off, or curtains moving. We blamed it all on faulty electrical wiring or breezes, and didn't think too much of it other than making a few jokes about it being haunted. Gulp. Eventually, things escalated, and boy, did they escalate quickly. The first big encounter we experienced was our bedroom door slamming shut while we were watching a movie downstairs, and it was loud enough to rattle the paintings on the living room wall, so of course we ran up to check what happened. When we opened the door, the bedding was off our bed when it originally was tidy, and the curtain pole had fell off the window. We didn't think much of this, as we believe it fell off due to the door being slammed, since our paintings rattled downstairs, but worth a mention. We got spooked by this, and this would happen regularly. It was never a different room, always the main bedroom. Door being slammed during the day and at night, things being in places we didn't leave them, pillows on the floor, etc., before I mention this next part, I just want to ensure you know my wife has never, ever experienced sleep paralysis in her entire life, until one night in April where she woke up and saw a tall figure that resembled a human, but wasn't. The figure didn't move. She described it as just standing still, watching in the corner of the room. This freaked her out enough that she woke me up and we both had to sit and watch a movie till she could feel comfortable enough to fall asleep. Things didn't stop there, they got more aggressive. We haven't been physically harmed yet, but things would be thrown. 
Paintings dropped of off walls, pillow thrown across the room again, bottles of deodorant being slammed off of walls. It is to the point where I am mentally drained of coming home from work and knowing there is a huge mess to clean up. What can we do? What is this thing that is doing all of this? And why? Our house isn't that old. I'd say the 60s or 70s. We live in a nice area. Why would it be haunted? I'm hoping I get closure here, and I understand most people won't believe anything I've said here, but we are so, so mentally drained and we can't afford to move. Please, help us. I fear things are only going to get worse and physical. Is this a warning? Is it just getting started? Anything? Any help? A lot of people are going to view this as creative writing. It isn't. For many people that have traumatic experiences, there is plenty of outlets or support groups. Not for me. Everybody calls me a crackpot on the few occasions I get drunk enough to talk about what happened. I don't appreciate that. This is a real story and a real event that caused a lot of turmoil in my small family at the time. When I was 12 years old, me, my dad, and my mom lived in and managed a large deer lease in Arkansas near the town of Mena. My dad and I were skilled outdoorsmen and made a good chunk of change hunting pigs on horseback. At the time, their population had grown out of control and they were viewed as pests. Not only did you not need tags to hunt them, but you could get paid on up to a $50 a head basis. The meat is great for sausage, too. So it came as a surprise to my father and I when the pigs around our property suddenly began to vanish. At first, we thought it was our neighbor, 20 miles west, strong arming our profits with his sons as he had before. But after my father went to his ranch to confront him about the issue, he came back ashen-faced and wouldn't tell me or my mother what had been discussed. All he said was Bill wasn't the reason for the shortage in pigs and that me and my mother were to stay in the house. Of course, being the curious young dumb I was, I woke up before my dad, saddled my horse, and went into the woods. I rode the perimeter of our property, and as before, I didn't find a single pig. But I did find something else. About noon, I came to a large clearing in the forest, then clear as day. What I first thought was a child stepped out in front of my horse, and I, I quickly realized this was no normal child. As it stood staring at me, I noticed that although it had a very human-like face, with what I can only describe as slightly mongoloid features, it was covered in black or dark brown fur. We just stared intently at each other for what felt like an eternity. Then I heard something huge crashing through the forest in our direction. Without the slightest command from me, my horse bolted in the opposite direction. I could hear it hot on our heels, snarling and screaming. Eventually, we got some ground on whatever it was when we hit open meadow, and it abandoned the chase. When I got home, my dad wasn't furious at me as I had expected. He could tell something had happened, and after I explained what I'd seen, he hugged me and said the experience was punishment enough, and that I wasn't to go in the woods without him ever again. I wasn't at all opposed to this. That being said, this was far from over. 
About a week later, we were sitting at the table enjoying my mom's Gordon Ramsay-esque jambalaya when the phone rang. My dad excused himself from the table and went to answer it. He came back into the dining room and told me, Get your boots on and go grab your saddle. Something happened at Bill's place. Without question, I obeyed, and despite protests from my mother and demands for an explanation, we were soon going full gallop towards Bill's ranch. We didn't particularly like Bill or his boys very much, but in the Ozark or Appalachian areas, we have sort of an unspoken law that if your neighbor needs help, you are to oblige them. When we got there, the situation was complete chaos. Bill's wife, Maggie, was knelt on the porch, sobbing her eyes out, and Bill and his two sons were scurrying about, loading firearms and filling backpacks full of provisions. My dad dismounted and ran up to Bill and asked him what was going on. My youngest was taken by someone. Maggie saw it, she said. He was out feeding the pigs and somebody came out from behind the shed and grabbed him. What did the person look like? Bill gave my dad a frightened look and said, You know damn well what it looked like. It isn't a person. My dad gulped and told me to go help Bill's boys get ready. We were going hunting. After Bill called the sheriff, they got on their four-wheelers, redneck for a TV, and followed us into the forest. The five of us got about 15 miles into the woods before we saw the first one. It had likely been following us since Bill's ranch, and I only got a small glimpse of it before it snatched Bill's oldest son, Grant, off his four-wheeler and ran off. It was big. This thing was easily eight feet tall, and it moved like an Olympic sprinter. We chased it for another 200 feet before it dropped Grant. He was in a state of shock, but alive. Bill took Grant and his other son back home, but my dad and I decided to pursue the thing. We chased it for miles, but soon it hit deep ravines that were unpassable for even our horses. We shot at it. My dad claimed he hit it several times. If he did, the thing didn't slow down a bit. We rode back home around one in the morning after checking on Bill's family and writing out reports for the deputy that had finally shown up. Even after we made a huge stink about the issue, the sheriff's office didn't do shit about the problem. To my knowledge, Bill's youngest son, Tommy, was never found. Their official statement was it was a gang of homeless people that had taken up residence in the forest and we were to, quote, try and avoid them. Yeah, right. Nobody bought it. About two weeks later, they attacked our house. I was watching NCIS with my dad at about 9 p.m. when we heard what we first thought was heavy hail. Our house at the time was a metal building, and if you've ever lived in one, you know how things tend to echo. My dad went to the window and quickly reeled back. He bellowed at me to grab my rifle. We both looked out the window, and to my horror, we saw about eight of the huge things hurling rocks at our house. We stuck our rifles out the window and shot at them, and when we did, they would hit the tree line temporarily, but they would be back ten to twenty minutes later. It was about two a.m. when we heard hard banging on our door, and we knew they were trying to come in. Lucky for us, near the kitchen, my dad had dug or constructed a tornado shelter the previous year. If you're familiar with Arkansas, you know it's smack dab in the middle of Tornado Alley, and we regularly get devastating fours and fives. We knew the door wasn't going to hold, so we all piled into the small cellar, and my dad deadbolted the heavy steel door. 
They did indeed get in. All night we listened to them wrecking our house. All night me and my family sat completely silent, all of us, including my mom, gripping guns tighter than a vice grip. We were praying to God they didn't find us. They gave up and left around 10 a.m. When we emerged from the cellar, our house was nearly demolished. Things were strewn everywhere. The TV had been hurled against the wall and made a huge dent. My dad's air compressor had been crushed like a tin can. Understandably, we packed up the truck, put the horses in a trailer, and made a beeline for my grandparents' house in Dallas. We were never the same after that. We had to sell our beloved horses. I had to make the hard transition to city life, where kids made fun of my accent and would just bully the crap out of me all the way up to high school. Luckily, I overcame it all, and I'm about to get my master's next year. I'm also happily married and expecting a daughter soon. Those creatures not only wrecked our house, but they also wrecked my childhood. To this day, I'm a dedicated Bigfoot researcher, and I've worked with all the big names, including fraud standing. I know there are some squatchers out there who are trying to preserve and protect Bigfoot, but I always carry a firearm when I'm out in the woods, and if I ever see another one, I'm blowing its hairy head off. July 1st, 2013, Ryan Coughlin and Special Ops Team were training in the Adirondacks, an extensive mountain range north of New York City. The team was split into three groups of two. This way, they could cover more ground and be far less noticeable. Ryan's group consisted of himself and a Navy SEAL named Mark Smithson, who is from the Naval Academy class of 93. They were on a recon mission at night along with their squad leader who was last seen 15 minutes prior to the event. I had just scratched my nose and my left arm as we walked when I saw what looked like something out of the movie Predator. It came into view on the right side crawling through some thick brambles and brush, said Coughlin. It appeared to roll on its side, looking at us with its legs in the air for a moment before turning and scampering off into the woods. It appeared to stand on two legs like a human when it stood up. Ryan Coughlin is currently an infantryman serving in the Army National Guard. He was deployed twice, once in Operation Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan, and once in Operation Iraqi Freedom. His military occupation specialty or job is heavy weapons infantryman. He's also graduated from airborne school and is trained as a combat lifesaver. He's also an ex-sniper. Now these creatures are said to be like brutes. These goatman hybrid creatures that are said to be ape-like that are brutal with scaly skin and are reported to be about seven feet tall. They have been known to kill animals in the forests of North America and drink their blood ritualistically. These creatures are said to be extremely hostile and curious of humans, which contradicts Coughlin's encounter. Native Americans throughout the Northeast claim that this mythological creature is real, and they're actually known as Wendigos. There are even stories of tribes killing anybody who strays into the woods because they believe it gives them powers like these ancient gods. Wendigo psychosis, or Wendigo possession, was an alleged mental illness among certain Native American cultures, particularly a tribe living around Lake Superior in northern Minnesota. 
Wendigo, as described by those affected by the psychosis, includes a general aversion to cannibalism and deviance from cultural norms, such as intense cravings for human flesh and the compulsion to eat it. The legend of the Wendigo is said to have originated within the Algonquin tribes living in Canada and parts of present-day New England. The legend has since spread throughout most of North America. The earliest written account of Wendigo psychosis dates back to actually 1670, three where it was first recorded by French Jesuit missionary Jean de Brebeau, who first learned about it from Wyandotte natives living near Georgian Bay. According to some other researchers, there are two distinct versions of Wendigo, one that involves great violence or cannibalism, and a less violent version involving the fixation of a Wendigo upon a person. In this case, Ryan Coughlin was not attacked by the creature, but he saw it clear as day. This could be because they most likely pose no threat to them, or perhaps these creatures are more curious than hostile. However, there are many instances where people who have encountered these creatures wound up missing or dead or have their blood completely drained from their bodies. Like in most scripted cases, we may never know what happened that night between Ryan and his special ops team, but it definitely left an impression on him. He'll never forget. I'm in my early 30s now, but this happened back when I was a teen and when TV still had the big back portion to hide all the components. Just to give some kind of time reference. Anyway, this happened in a desert city in California, in what used to be a small town, but it's grown so much since then. Me and my brother were in my mother's bedroom watching the TV, and the TV was right in front of the window so we could see outside. All of a sudden, this black humanoid thing came slowly drifting across the sky. The only reason I say it was humanoid is because I could see the shape of its legs, and what's crazy is that even though it was in the sky, I could see the human shape it had, like a man on a jetpack. The weird thing is that once it passed over the house into the distance is when I started to acknowledge what I saw. I didn't know if my brother had seen it to so without explaining. Anything at all to what I had seen, I just turned to him and said, did you just see that? And my brother said, yeah, WTF was that. I told him it looked like a man in the sky, right? And he said, yeah. We never knew what it was, only that it looked like a man slowly hovering and moving in the sky. It must have been a pretty tall figure for us to see the human shape it had while in the sky. I've been looking for a place to share this story. I was on a road trip about July 2014 driving through Ohio when my friend and I had diverted from the route to relax at Hocking Hills State Park or Old Man's Cave near Logan, Ohio. What I encountered there has stuck with me and disturbed me for years. Although I can kind of joke about it, I'm certain what I saw wasn't human. While in the public shower in the same stall my friend had just showered in without incident, I caught something from the corner of my eye. When I looked down, there was a disturbing creature, very ugly and small, craning its neck beneath the stall in a very unnatural way to glimpse at me shower. 
This creature was almost frog-like or troll-like in the face with oddly placed patches of hair on its cheeks where normally a man's beard wouldn't grow. The way it slid its head under and looked up at me was bizarre and demonic. When I looked down at it, I could see satisfaction or delight in this being's expression that I was frightened. In an instant, I turned off the shower and put my clothes on while I was soaking wet. In my head, thinking about what it was I saw and if I should confront it in the stall over a hear the shower creak on. This was almost like a clever way to dissuade me from confronting it, almost trickster-like. I ran out of the shower house and immediately told my friend to drive away because I had encountered a leprechaun or troll in the bathroom. Has anyone had similar instances in the area? The way the creature moved and could crane, its neck was not human. Heck, if it were just a crackhead or weird guy peeping under the stall, I wouldn't have been nearly as disturbed. It was true fear in my gut, and I hope someone has had a similar experience in the area I can talk to. This report holds several critical eyewitness accounts of the events at O'Hare International Airport on October 4th in 1941. The following is an excerpt from a UAP report regarding this incident. The first military officer sighting. The first incident occurred at about 3.15 a.m. Two lieutenants observed a red light moving above the airport's northwest corner. As they watched, it descended below the level of the airport and disappeared from their view. Although this is a very credible sighting, there remains some doubt as to whether or not this was a UAP or something else entirely. The second military officer sighting. A little bit before 4 a.m., two other officers stationed at the field observed an object that looked like an automobile headlight traveling across the northwest section of the O'Hare Airport at approximately 2,000 feet or 610 meters. The air traffic control tower reported seeing nothing on radar corresponding with the sighting. The description provided by the officers corresponds with that of a star or a planet. This sighting is far more credible than that of the first military officer, as it was visible on radar and was seen by multiple eyewitnesses. The third military officer sighting at roughly 4.25 a.m., several enlisted men stationed at the airport reported seeing what they described as an unidentified object pass overhead, traveling east to west at a very high velocity. This unknown object was also visible on radar and has recently been analyzed using recently declassified information from World War. Second, Archives this sighting is definitely identified as a vehicle in low Earth orbit through its appearance moving across the sky and behavior on radar tracking systems, thus eliminating possible explanations such as a plane. As the object passed to the west, one of the witnesses reported hearing a screaming noise. This also was confirmed by several other witnesses, who too sought. Although it is unknown when exactly these onlookers heard this, it could be explained as radio static caused by increased radiation from the testing of radar systems on a vehicle in low Earth orbit. There were no reports of any sound accompanying this mysterious vehicle as it traveled across the sky toward the horizon and out of sight. 
In summation, it is likely that there was some sort of atmospheric phenomenon, which accounts for some aspects of these sightings, but not others. A declassified report shows that at this time there were atomic tests being done above ground. Some near Las Vegas, Nevada, some 400 miles or 640 kilometers away. This could, in addition to the LAD sighting, account for some of the atmospheric phenomenon reported by eyewitnesses. It is unlikely that this UFO incident was caused by atomic activity or extraterrestrial intervention, though it currently remains unexplained how weather patterns could have affected witnesses on the ground at O'Hare Airport. Five years ago, I was driving to work bright and early in the morning, and the SUV next to me was in a right-turn-only lane, and I was in the straight lane while we were waiting for the light to change. I didn't think much of it or look at the SUV or driver until the light changed, and they also tried going straight. At that point, I looked over as they were basically trying to run me off the road to go straight and veering into me. I was going to honk, but then the middle-aged lady that was driving jerked head to the side, looked right at me, and her whole face morphed into a terrifying face. I don't even know how to describe it. It elongated and looked awful and terrifying. Like that scream painting by Edward Munch, but way more terrifying. It's like she decided to show me what she really is, and it changed in a flash. I slammed on my brakes, she or it, cut in front of me, and I ended up taking the very next right turn just to get away from her and parked on the side of the road to catch my breath. I don't do drugs. I sometimes have a couple of beers after work, but nothing crazy. I've never seen anything like this before or after, and I've been too scared to mention it to anyone but my husband for the fear of being called a crazy person. I saw her face change right before my eyes and am to this day absolutely certain of what I saw. The feeling that came over me was just absolute terror, and the look she gave me was certainly menacing. Has anyone else ever experienced anything like that? I was riding the L in Chicago going to a rock and roll concert on the train and sitting two or three seats off from the door. In walks this large African-American gentleman. I worked in health care for 22 years, and I know that man as long I've been alive, he's been dead. I looked up at him. His hair's kind of matted. My blood just ran cold. I looked up and his ears were sewn shut. His eyelids were sewn shut. His nose, his mouth. Everything was sewn shut. And I'm sitting there just looking at him. I'm freaking out inside, and I'm thinking, God, please, let him not be for me. He rode for about two or three stops and then got off. And just terrified out of my mind. So I got to the show. See some of my friends. Talk a little bit, and they are like, man, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, it's the walking dead. Ghosts I get. But the walking dead, that's not right. That's not natural. Oh, my God. There was no way you could not see it. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it. I was thinking, glove to glove. God, Gabriel, all the angels, please watch over me right now. 
he walked right off the thing. So I went through and I looked it up, and there is actually a popular zombie. It was the juju, and it was probably sent by some black practitioner out to go and do one thing, and that is to kill somebody. About six months in Austin, Texas, I woke up to just a face of a typical gray-looking face. He looked old with wrinkles. His head was more triangular with floppy points. The only way I can describe the points of his head or face looked like the points of starfish. He had a very short, a specific message for me. He said that they will be arriving soon only for a short period of time. He stated that I needed to be ready with one question. In one question only, said the encounter would only be telepathic like the one taking place at the time. Then he stole me to be ready and not to fit up. Then I woke up, saw him walking out my bedroom. His body was short and thin. He walked with severe, limp and shaking stiff arms, like he was crippled with Parkinson's or something like it. That's it. Nothing else to the story. I've never had any experience like this before. Nothing strange has happened since then except the news. Very short and specific. Think about it every day. Don't think I'm going to ask him anything. Maybe just a simple thank you. I mentioned this one time in the IG comment. It was deleted or something. Can't find it on my history. This is my first time posting on here, so I'm not real sure where to start. But I thought this might be of interest to some of you. This all took place about seven years ago, give or take. There's lots to this story, so bear with me. I'm used to writing fiction, specifically horror. So trying to describe something that was very real is almost sort of odd, but let me go ahead and set the scene. It all started with an old three-story red brick house. I try to keep my identity kind of anonymous on here, so I'd prefer not to give specifics on the location. But I will tell you, it's in the South, and that it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Tennessee. This was one of the biggest houses I'd lived in until recently. Regardless, I was young, a teenager around 16, and the house seemed grand to me. It was in a well-established neighborhood that had a good name within the community, and my parents were elated at the fact that they were finally able to move out of the house. We were renting and into something that would be more our own. Although the house was beautiful, there was much more to it. We didn't figure that out until after we bought it, though. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Walking around the house, uh, I remember being excited, but I also remember this strange sense of heaviness. If that makes sense, something about it just didn't feel quite right. My mom just chalked it up to the house being a little older. She explained that the creakiness and strange noises were just the house settling. Ironic enough, she sounded just like every other parent in the scary movies. In fact, she still refuses to believe anything that happened in that house was paranormal. Even after we found out some interesting news from our neighbor. I'm not sure why we were never informed of this before we bought the house. But I still remember what he told us. Yep, he passed away in the basement, died of a heart attack. The neighbor was old, late 80s, early 90s. His name was Fred. He lived right next door to us with his wife, Sybil, and their yard was always immaculately kept. But that's besides the point. He mentioned that he even knew the complete layout of our house because he did some of the woodwork in it. The craftsmanship was great. All of the crown molding was what my mom referred to as character. He didn't say any of this, though, until a couple of weird things had happened prior, so let me back up some. Before we ever met Fred, we had an issue with the doorbell. It would ring at odd hours of the night and sometimes early into the morning. But when my dad would startle awake and get up to check, there was never anyone there. That went on for several weeks. By about the end of the first week, though, my dad just about lost it. Inside the house, we had these things called door. Bell chime boxes. There was one on the main floor and one in the basement. Of course, none of us slept in the basement, so he ignored that one, but the one on the main floor was quickly silenced. Well, sort of, he thought taking out the batteries would solve the issue, but somehow, despite his best efforts, it still rang. Now I know what you're thinking. How is that even possible? We still don't have an answer for that. Next, he ripped it out of the wall, hoping that if the wiring wasn't connected, it would stop. Wrong. So, after a while, we just learned to live with it. That was until we met Fred, and he told us about what I stated above. Now everything was starting to make sense. Perhaps this was a haunting. There would continue to be strange things that would happen, but instead of going into detail about every single one of them and writing a small novel... I'll just briefly list a few. 1. My brother and my dad were playing video games in the basement. They each had headsets on and heard a strange voice in the background. Neither of them were playing with other gamers. Although they could not make out what it said, they both agreed that it sent a chill down their spine and successfully freaked them out. 2. We heard a strange noise in the garage, and the motion-activated light flicked on, so we pulled up the surveillance footage in our garage. Strangely enough, it was as if the footage was deleted. There was footage from before a certain time and after that time, but not at that time. 3. My parents slept downstairs on the main floor, and my brother and I slept upstairs. My dad would often report hearing footsteps back and forth between our rooms. Long story short, we weren't walking around. Early winter, maybe one, two feet of snow on the ground. I'd hiked into this spot to camp for the night. 
Of course, there's no one around. No one winter camps here. I make a little snow cave, more like a body-sized tunnel, then slide myself into my sleeping bag and bivy sack before sliding into the snow shelter. Basically, my head is open to nature, but body is wrapped in my bivy and the snow shelter. I get all settled in for sleep when I start to hear footsteps crunching in the snow outside. I strain my ears to make sure I'm not going crazy. More footsteps. Am I hearing right? Are they getting closer? After several minutes, I start panicking. I'm in this cocoon of fabric and bivy sack. I'm right for killing, but maybe they don't see me. I'm pretty well hidden, so I wait. More footsteps, and every time I stop to listen, they seem to stop too. I very carefully open a tiny bit, the zipper of my bivy, to peer out into the white darkness. Can't see anything, okay? I'm going to die. That's when I start yelling to this person that I know they're out there and I'm going to kill them. Ready for battle, but scared shitless. More footsteps, they're not stopping. I open the top of my mummy bag, bivy, and the shelter as fast as I can ready to fight for my life. There's absolutely no one there. I listen closely. Nothing. So I just wait, peering out there. Then, as I lay my head down on the fabric of my bivy sack, I realize that my eyelashes were scraping against the fabric, making it sound like footsteps in the snow. I've never been so self-embarrassed, foolish, and relieved at once in my life. And ten years later, I still laugh when I sleep in that bivy. Ever since I was a little girl, I believed in everything spiritual. Ghosts, aliens, fairies, and more. My friend, let's call her Sarah, on the other hand, was convinced that all of this was just nonsense. One day, we were at our other friend's place to spend the afternoon there. At this point, we must have been around eight or nine years old. I don't know if this is something all little girls did, but at this age, we used to go to the toilet together so we could talk in the meantime. This afternoon, I had to use the bathroom and I asked Sarah to join me. When we entered, we realized that our friend had one of those life-size doll heads that you could use to practice doing makeup and hairstyles. I was sitting on the toilet and the doll head was right in front of me looking in my direction. My friend Sarah was standing by my side, also looking at the doll head. I told her that I was getting bad vibes from it and feeling scared, but she dismissed me, saying I was just being dramatic. Suddenly, the doll just turned its head and looked in her direction, and we both started screaming simultaneously and ran out of the bathroom. I didn't even flush the toilet and only pulled my pants up halfway. Years later, we were talking about this and Sarah was downplaying it by saying we probably just made the story up. Still, I vividly remember this to this day, and the fact that we both started screaming at the same time is proof enough for me that this really happened. This happened a couple nights ago. My girlfriend and I were driving home from a concert we went to Ohio to see. It was probably around 1 a.m., and we were on some rural back roads our GPS told us to take. There were houses with lots of open fields between them, and the road was pretty hilly. 
As we were coming up the hill, our headlights lit up a field to my left. I was driving, and I saw something strange. I saw what appeared to be a tall, lanky, but strong black figure run on two legs from one end of the field to the other, kind of going the opposite direction we were going and at an angle, like it was trying to cut into some woods off in the distance. Even its run looked off. It looked like something that didn't quite remember how to run on two legs. Despite that, it was fast, too, because I only saw it for a second or two before it disappeared. I asked my girlfriend if she saw it, but she said she didn't. I explained what I saw, and she believed me. We tried to rationalize it by saying maybe it was a tree or something playing some weird life trick on us. But the vibe I got from seeing that thing was really off. It felt like I saw something I wasn't supposed to be, like that whatever was there shouldn't have been. Was this a cryptid of some sort, or were the headlights just messing with me? So I, when I was still living with my parents when I was younger, I slept in the living room. We didn't have a big apartment, so they had the one bedroom. I didn't mind. The living room had the big television, and the pull-out couch was comfy enough. So one night I'm lying down watching some adult swim when I begin to drift off. I turn my body over to get more comfortable, but I had this feeling like uh, I didn't want my back facing the dining room and kitchen area. At this point, the TV is providing the only light in the apartment, and it was big enough that it provided some light into the kitchen and dining area. Well, when I turned to face the dining area at this point, after that uncomfortable feeling, I saw something that made my heart drop. I saw what appeared to be a figure standing just outside the entrance to the kitchen next to the dining room table. Now, in that apartment, there's a tiny step to step up to into the dining area, and after I rubbed my eyes to make sure I was truly. Seeing what I was seeing, the shadow figure took a step down the tiny step from the dining area. I never moved so fast in my life, and I jumped out of my bed and flipped the light on next to the pull-out couch as fast as humanly possible. The figure was about five, ten, six feet tall and totally featureless, just shadow-looking. With the light on in the living room, now illuminating most of the apartment, I kept my eyes locked on the dining area. I didn't move from my spot the rest of the night and, frankly, was quite frozen with fear. My mom eventually woke up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and asked me what was wrong and what happened. She chalked it up to the really bad nightmare, but I knew what I saw. I've only had one other confirmed encounter with this being and two. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it is the same creature. The other confirmed sighting happened about three or four years after, when I was back visiting from college. I was playing video games late when something told me to look behind me. It just felt like there were eyes on me. Well, I turn around and there it is. I yelled and flipped on the light again as fast as I could, and again it disappears. The morning after this happened, I sat my parents down and we spoke about it. They claim to have never seen this being, and they don't feel any oppressive force in the apartment. But they assured me they believed me, and they wanted me to feel safe there. These two encounters are not confirmed as a being, but I think relate to it. 
I had an ex-girlfriend sleeping over, and I was watching TV while she played her Nintendo Switch. She claimed to me something that sounded like a yell came from the kitchen area, and she was really freaked out. Mind you, I didn't hear this one because I had my video game headset on, but she was so freaked out it didn't seem like she was lying. Finally, I was on the phone late one night with a friend from Atlanta, and we were just talking and catching up. I had fallen asleep on the phone at one point, and I woke up with my phone, almost dead, in a voicemail from my friend. She claimed that after I fell asleep, she heard a violent scream on the other end of the line and thought something bad had happened to me. I called her back, and thankfully she was still awake, and she told me something screamed that sounded terrifying, and it didn't sound anything like me. Mind you, this scream never woke me up, and the TV was not on. I was always on the fence with the supernatural and paranormal, but these events made me a true believer. Edit. I was asked for date and location of the post. The location is Brooklyn, nigh around the Prospect Park area, to be more precise. And dates, first encounter around 2010, second encounter around 2014. The ex-girlfriend staying over was around early 2018, and the Atlanta call was late 2018. One, so this takes place in California in my old house in Pacoima around 2007 or 2008. When I was three or four, I remember I was in our living room pretending to play football with my little Peter Piper's foam football while my older brother was in the bedroom playing NFL Street. I don't know why, but I look to my left outside, and all of a sudden I see this thing outside the kitchen window. The best I can describe it is that it was wearing a brown suit and tie, but it was headless, no relation to Slender Man. And then after that, the power went out, and it disappeared. What happened afterwards, I always forget, but everything else I can remember so clearly. In 1996, in Modesto, California, not sure what street I lived on, when I was little I was haunted by this ghost I dubbed Goldie, but because I was three, I don't really remember anything about him except for the stories my mom and my god mother would tell me, like how he would chase me into the kitchen and I would hide under the kitchen table to get away from him or how the house would smell like something was decaying and rotten, and it also smelled like something was burning randomly throughout the day. Anyway, that's to give context about this house I lived in when I was about three years old. I have a clear memory of walking into my kitchen to get something to drink when I noticed a tall figure behind me, but this figure had the head of a vulture, eyes of a man, hands of man, but it wore a long black robe, and it was tall. It also held a staff in its hand, and its skin was pale and veiny all over, and it had a really large beak and bald head, and I remember seeing the feathers around its neck where its neck began. The visual I have of this creature has never left my mind, and what makes it more confusing is that I felt no fear nor ill will coming from this creature. A part of me assumed it was like an angel or something benign or... If it was sinister, it clearly had no intentions towards me. 
I just remember it was looking at me, and it had this calmness that made me feel super relaxed and comfortable around it. I then grabbed a juice and ran past it into the living room, and then that's when I can no longer remember anything. I still have dreams where I walk into the kitchen, but I'm older and that creature is still there. I always felt like it was real, and I think I always will because it's the only memory I have that stands out to me when I was three years old. I can perfectly describe the kitchen of that house to my mom, too, which sometimes fierks her out because of how young I was and how we only lived there for like five months. Lo, anyway, this is just something I wanted to share. Also, one last thing, I've tried Googling to figure out if there is lore about creatures or paranormal beings that look like what I described and have found nothing, so it's kind of annoying. In my little mind back then, I thought what I saw was God, or at least a God, and I'm not very religious, so I don't mean to offend anyone by saying that last bit. The year after I graduated from college in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, I witnessed something that I still think about to this day. My friend and I were coming to work. There were three of us on a night shift at the Ontario Research Foundation just west of Toronto. We were coming in at midnight and drove up to the industrial door. Outside the door in front of the little peak windows you have at eye level was this six-foot-ish black, all-black creature. I don't think it saw us approaching, and I guess it heard the car. Maybe the lights caught its peripheral vision. It turned and looked at us, and the eyes were goldish, reflective. There was something about its face that was kind of like cat, like, and we were startled. It was obviously startled, and, you know, we're looking at each other. We were approaching in the car for a couple of seconds, and it just turned and bolted into the woods. This was in 1980. I'm very serious and 100% sure we both saw exactly the same thing. Only one other guy there at the time, and he was in the plant when we saw it, and I guess this creature was peeking in, you know, just seeing what's going on in there. But we both told him what we saw, and we were just, like I say, very startled ourselves. But I know what I saw, and there was something about it that was ape. Like in the body, although it was all black fur, there was something about the head that was kind of like a cat-like creature, and the way it ran on two legs. It was like a human figure, but the speed of the thing when it tore off through the woods was unbelievable. This happened in 2007 in Miami County, Indiana, near Peru, about two miles from Honey Bear Hollow Campground. I worked the night shift and a co-worker and I were both driving down a county road after work, probably around 4.45 a.m., still dark outside. I saw his taillights get brighter like he was hitting his brakes, and then he swerved down into the ditch line, came back out on the road, and kept going. As I approached the same area, I saw this tall, black figure walking on the road. It's moving in a very weird, unnatural gait, like it was kind of blowing in the wind, but it clearly wasn't. I first thought it was a really tall person wrapped up in a big black blanket because I didn't see any arms or head, just two big legs and a torso. 
I had to swerve over to avoid it, too, but I basically came to a full stop, and the thing walked past my driver's window. It had to have been around seven feet tall as it was leaning forward and was at least a foot taller than the top of my vehicle. As it got behind my vehicle, I could see the taillights illuminating its legs, but couldn't make out any details like hair or anything like clothing. Just large, thick, black legs. I took off down the road once it was behind me and saw that my co-worker pulled into a gravel parking lot, so I pulled up beside him. He's freaking out asking if I saw it, how it didn't have a head, and other ramblings. I said we should go back and try to see what the hell this thing is because it seemed oblivious to us driving right at it. He didn't want to, but he ended up following behind me. We didn't want to, but he ended up following behind me. We drove back the way we came and in around the same area. There was a large black dog lying across the road. This was not your normal size canine. It was much larger than any normal dog, but it looked dead. It wasn't there when we just drove through there less than three or so minutes beforehand. Anyway, I decided I was going to get out and go see if it was alive or not and move it off to the side of the road because you can't really drive around it without going off the edge of the road on either side because the way it was laying across the road. As I get about 15 feet away, it raises its head up and looks back at me. Its eyes are glowing yellow, but I still say that was due to the vehicle lights causing eyes shine. It lets out a low, deep, rumbling, guttural growl and I stop instantly. It attempts to stand up and seems like it has some sort of issues with its front legs, but it stands up and continues to stand up on two legs, like a person would. It only stood on its back legs for a second or two, enough time for it to look at me, but then it hunkers back down to what looks like all fours and runs off to the wooded area. But there's a pretty tall fence there, so I don't really know how it managed to disappear, because it would have had to go over, under, or through the through the fence, or it just vanished. I also don't think it was using its front legs when it ran off, because I never saw them really moving. Now, after all this, there was one last strange happening. My co-worker got out of his car after the dog thing ran off, and he came up to me to basically say, What was that? As we were talking, I noticed a mouse standing between us. It was also on its hind legs, kind of sitting as it was washing its face. I nudged it with my shoe, and it didn't even seem to care. Kind of like the first thing that was walking. It was completely oblivious to our presence. It just kept on cleaning itself. We left and went our separate ways. I woke up later in the day and started looking into werewolves and came across dogmen's stories. The only thing I will say about all of that is that this didn't have the hands and feet like is often claimed by witnesses. It had normal dog paws. It just had a large black wolf style look about itself but its fur was really fluffy, which didn't really seem to match with the normal wolf-type fur. It wasn't a bear. It didn't have mange. I know the difference between a bear and something like that. It just looked like a very large black dog. The first thing we saw, some people said, sounded like a Fresno nightcrawler, but those were white in appearance and not nearly as thick and tall. Someone recently asked if maybe it had wings, and that's what was concealing its arms and head, as if they were draped around the front of it. 
I never thought about that before, and can't say one way or another because I didn't see any sort of details on its body, just blackness. The way it moved just seemed very odd, otherworldly. I always think of those inflatable tube men that flap around in the wind at car dealers or some sort of events when I try to describe their movements. Just really weird. The mouse might be the oddest thing to me because I physically touched it, so I know it was real, but it just didn't seem to care. It wasn't until recently I made the connection that all three of the creatures were on two legs at one point. Are they all connected? Who knows? I never saw anything like that ever again, and I only live about four miles from where it happened, and I drive through that area often. I wish I had more answers, but all I get is more questions. As someone who's been pretty skeptical most of my life, I've tried to explain it in some logical manner, but I can't. I have said the dog was playing with a mouse. Must have got hit and its front legs were hurt. That would explain why it was walking on its back legs and why the movement seemed unnatural. The mouse was traumatized by the dog messing with it, which explains why it looked all wet and why it was cleaning itself. That's the version I accepted for many years. The only problem with that is whatever was originally walking down the road was so much larger than the dog. When the dog stood up, it was maybe six feet tall, but whatever walked by my window was at least seven feet leaning forward. The walking torso was also a lot thicker than the dog's, as the legs were very thick. The dogs were normal dog legs. Over 60 years ago, I was young, living in southern Ohio on a farm my grandmother owned. It was a very rural area, with gravel roads, no plumbing, a well in the backyard, outhouse down the hill. We had chickens in the yard, surrounded by cornfields and pasture, across the gravel road for dairy cows. One morning I was on the porch alone, and suddenly the chickens and rooster cleared the yard fast. Some ran under the house and some into the cornfield about 20 feet from the house. They disappeared fast and were totally silent. Something scared them. Chickens aren't chickens. They will put up a fight with intruders, especially roosters. Something scared the heck out of them. I stayed on the porch looking for what scared them when what looked like a stuffed toy Easter bunny came around the side of the house. Blue with a white tummy, pink inner ears, and button eyes kind of looked used. It walked as if you were playing with a child and holding a toy from behind, wobbling your hand to make the toy look like it was walking. I could see nothing behind the Easter Bunny moving it. I'm staring at it. It's staring at me. It was kind of off, center, leaning towards its left a bit. Little stubby feet and paws like a stuffed animal. Then it started talking without moving its mouth. It wanted me to go with it to play and help it do something, like an adult playing with a child moving a stuffed toy and talking for the toy. It kept trying to get me to go with it around the side of the house. The chickens disappearing so suddenly scared me. The bunny didn't, but I've seen these chickens attack stray dogs and snakes in the yard, pecking the snakes to death, and this bunny was scaring the heck out of them. I probably would have gone with the Easter Bunny, but didn't because of the chicken's reaction. Finally, the bunny was backing away, kind of bouncing like someone was holding it until it was out of sight by the side of the house. 
I stayed on the porch and swung over the edge of the house to see where the bunny was going. At that time, it had turned around, and I saw it from behind. I froze. I clearly saw the back of the stuffed bunny. Like image, but behind it was what looked like a four-legged tiny dinosaur. Its head or snout was stuck into the back of the bunny. It was greenish and had spikes down its back and down its tail. The bunny was probably three feet tall or a bit more to the top of its ears. The little dinosaur was about two to two, five feet tall. I ran into the house and told my grandmother. She went outside looking for it, and we never found it. My grandmother, born in 1889, told me if anything like that happened again, never go with it. I've thought about it over the years and just left it as a mystery. Last fall, I went to the UFO Congress, and at an experiencers meeting, one of the members brought up an experience with the Easter Bunny, trying to get him to go with it. He was also from Ohio. Then another guy in the small group spoke up, and he had a childhood experience with the Easter Bunny, trying to get him to go with it. I recently spoke with a woman who had a similar incident with Santa. When he turned around, he had a reptilian tail. I attended the MUFON Field Investigator Boot Camp this October, and one of the speakers was a retired ranger from the Sheriff Department on the Navajo Nation. He spoke of several UFO reports he followed up there where people were driving and either stopped or nearly run off the road by giant four-foot rabbits, only seen when UFO activity was happening. I later asked if could talk to him about my experience, but time was short and he had to leave. I've heard of accounts where beings, spirits, aliens, whatever take on the shape of a character that a child would trust to separate it from family or home for who knows what purpose. I've now spoken with over three dozen people who had a similar experience with the Easter Bunny or other cartoon characters trying to lure them away as I had. Their experiences were more animated than what I saw, but I saw it from behind and the clear detail of it was exactly what you'd imagine a dinosaur to look like. I've had three major up-close UFO encounters. One was a craft, the Phoenix Lights. Two were beings I saw camping in the desert, and one included underground digging in a truck chase for my life. Now I'm wondering if I had another encounter as a child. Any insight or thoughts that would be beneficial? Someone shared a 2002 TV movie called Taken that had a depiction of a cartoon squirrel luring a child into its craft. It's on YouTube. My experience was not so animated, but I did see the being from behind the illusion. Let me start by saying I'm a civil engineer. I am a secular person who is agnostic, and while I want to understand the universe and all its weird phenomena better, prior to this experience I was extremely skeptical of anything paranormal, and believed there to be a scientific explanation for 99.9% .9 of paranormal experiences. However, my wife and I had a shared experience in college that permanently changed my outlook on the paranormal and on spirits or ghosts specifically. About seven or eight years ago, while back home in Omaha, Nebraska for the summer from college, my wife girlfriend at the time, and I were bored one night and drove out into the country to stargaze and get some alone time. 
We decided to take my car and drive out into the country and head north until we found a good dark place to park and chill out, about 10-15 miles out of town. I was turning down random gravel roads and found a little cul-de-sac that was facing north, but was newly paved. It looked like someone had constructed a driveway for a house that hadn't been built yet. There were no other houses around for probably a square mile, mostly just farmland. I turned around in the driveway and pointed my car north, and we sat for a few quiet hours, enjoying each other's company and chatting about life plans. At about 2 a.m., we were pretty tired and decided to head home so our parents didn't freak out. As I stated before, we were parked on an empty, dead-end concrete driveway, perpendicular to a gravel country road, which was about 50 feet in front of us. Behind the gravel road was a cornfield, stereotypical of Nebraska, I know, and it was late July or August, so the corn was probably five, six feet tall. This detail is important. As I go to start my car, I put my key in the ignition and put my hand on the light switch to turn my headlights on. Before I can turn the key, my girlfriend violently jerks my right arm, which scares the crap out of me. I looked at her confused, but she was just staring out at the road in front of us with a terrified look on her face. Immediately, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I sat there frozen in fear and confusion. A very tall, white, human-like figure was seemingly floating from left to right along the gravel road right in front of us. Since it was very dark and we were in the middle of the country, all we could make out was the silhouette, but we both could see it well enough to tell something strange was there. My brain was doing backflips trying to make sense of what I was seeing. From our perspective, the figure looked about seven, nine feet tall, taller than the cornstalks behind it and it was moving at an eerily quick speed, faster than walking, but not running. There was no gait like a person walking, no head bobbing up and down, no real movement of limbs. It was just floating. My girlfriend described it later that night as a tall white Gumby, looking silhouette. We watched it for what was probably about ten seconds, but felt like a minute. My hand was still on the knob to turn my headlights on and I had an internal debate on whether or not I should turn them on to better see what it was or to keep them off and not let whatever this thing was. To know we were there, it continued drifting to our right until it was out of sight, and I started my car and floored it down the gravel road heading in the opposite direction. My girlfriend and I barely spoke on the way home, and once we got to my parents' house, we told them what we saw. My girlfriend left the room while I explained it to them because she was so spooked she didn't want to think about it anymore. She spent the night that night because she didn't want to go home alone, but neither of us was able to fall asleep after what we saw. To this day, I'm completely mystified by what we saw, and if I didn't have my now wife with me at the time, I would think I was hallucinating or going insane. We were both completely sober at the time, and neither of us believed in or thought much about paranormal entities at the time. I have not been able to come up with any sort of rational explanation, and it still bugs me quite a bit. Nothing makes sense in my head other than some strange amorphous spirit or a seven-foot-tall guy in a Yeti costume on a bicycle riding around at 3 a.m. in the middle of nowhere in the pitch black. 
Do you have any type of explanation for what we saw or seen anything similar on the Internet or in person? Let me know.